This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, we are in our final week of our uh, spiritual growth campaign, and it's exciting to see what God uh, has been doing. Uh, We've been focusing, aligning ourselves, weekend service, life groups, devotions, kids, youth, vibe, young adult, just all of us coming together and uh, choosing to be in community. And turn to your neighbor, say, I am thankful for community. We are thankful for community. You chose to get into a circle. You chose to begin to grow with others. And I just want to encourage you, continue to stay in your small group, your life group. Continue to grow as a group. Continue uh, just to, 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 to serve the Lord. Grow together. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. If you're in a new group, I want to encourage. We had 145 groups. If you're in a new group, I want to encourage you to stay in that group. Uh, that group, I hope, will stay together. If you're in what we call Grab, Gather, Grow, GGG groups, uh, they're happening all over uh, outside of the local area, other states, other countries. I encourage you, if you're in a GGG group, just to make a commitment to stay together. Keep following along uh, with us. Go ahead and reach out. Let us know that your group's going to stay uh, together, and we want to resource you. You may even choose that on a Sunday morning worship experience. If you're in a, uh, another part of the country or out of the country, you want to continue to meet together. We encourage you maybe gather on a Sunday morning and turn it into a worship uh, experience together right there. But just keep growing, just keep serving, just stay together, and let's just keep pushing ourselves to be all that God wants us to be. Can I get an amen in the house? Now, tomorrow is light the night. That's the final phase of our entire uh, spiritual growth campaign. This is our impact project. You already heard about it. We're going to be serving the community, pressing out uh, into the community. We'll be having a huge light the night here at the Fort Lauderdale campus and in block parties all over Coral Springs and Sunrise. So, so many things that are going to be happening tomorrow, and we need your help. We need everyone that's listening, that's in this service today, we need your help to love the community and serve the community tomorrow. And so if you're not in a life group, already signed up with your life group, or if you haven't already signed up to be a part of the dream team, you're going to see a QR code or a number there. Go ahead and just sign up. Let us know. We need you. Don't miss tomorrow. It's a chance for us to love our community. Well, the last part of our series of Established, and uh, it's been a progression, it's been a a series that's leading us on how do we think, how do we be, and how do we act like Jesus. Your uh, complimentary book that went along with the devotional began to guide us through the virtues, the beliefs, the the character of Christ, the, the disciplines of the faith, and just beginning to help us to understand how can we truly be established in Christ. It starts with having the character of Christ. 
the presence of God, we invite Christ into our life and we begin to make a commitment. And boy, we've been yielding to that today and, 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 and just pressing in to say, God, we want to make you the center of everything that we are. But as we continue to be established in Christ, he begins, the Lord begins to transform our thoughts. And that's where this process starts, is a transformation, it's a renovation of the heart, and that renovation starts with our thoughts. Our thoughts manage our emotions. So the second week, we begin to look at how do we manage, how do we transform our emotions that's being influenced by our thoughts, that which we think, and how do we take control and manage our Emotions. Emotions are not right and wrong. It's what we do with those emotions. And so how do we manage them? That leads to the third element, and that is the will, the choices, the decisions that we choose to make, the will must be submitted. If you don't submit the will, then your emotions and your thoughts are going to control you and you will begin to move outside of the will and the plan of God. And so our will must be surrendered, submitted to the Lord. When we surrender our will, that brings us to where we were last week and that is aligning then to the will of God. How do I know that this is God's will? What direction, what ways, what would God have me to do? We said that the will of God is discovering, discerning, and seeing things from God's perspective in our lives. That will place us in the center of God's will. And so then that leads us to our final step. That's where we're at today. And that is beginning when you, you, uh, uh, you transform your thoughts, you transform your emotions, you submit your will, surrender your will, you begin to align to the will of God. Now we walk in godly purpose. Say godly purpose. We are established in the purpose of God. And can I tell you, the purpose of God is what brings you joy. It what brings you fulfillment. It was, it's what brings life to your faith is when you're in the purpose of God. This series, this progression of how do we think, act, and be like Christ is that progression that takes place. And can I tell you, your thoughts, your emotions, your will is your soul, and the battle of the enemy is in your soul. Your mind, your emotions, and your will, but if you can submit it to the Lord, get aligned to the will of God, you'll begin to walk in godly purpose and destiny. And can I tell you, that's the place where there's wind in the sails of your life and you begin to go into God's purpose. It leads a legacy for your life and for your family. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody get with me this morning. I got to get you back in, right? Pastor Candy exhorted you and led you. I got to get you back. Are you ready? Amen. And today I want to talk about walking in purpose. Father, I thank you for your word. We pause one more time to thank you for the power, the anointing of the word of God. And I pray today that you will use it in these few short minutes to help us to see what brings glory to your name. What brings a smile to your face. What is it, God, that in your eyes is success when it comes to our lives? 
that's when we're in the purpose, walking in that destiny, understanding our anointing, embracing our divine design. It's in that place, oh God, that it brings glory to your name. Open our eyes and our hearts. Illuminate your scripture to us. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Someone once said that our lives are not measured by its duration, but by its donation. The purpose of our lives. If you were to go to a grave site or a graveyard, many of us have been there for one reason or another. But when you walk across there, I remember as a young college student, I went with my father to our family sites, relatives. He wanted to find it. And as we found it there, it was, it was overwhelming, manning tombstones everywhere. And it was just like, whoa, you know, it's just all of the family lineage. But what caught me as I walked along there was on every tombstone was a birth date, with a dash, and then the day that they left this life. And as you begin to walk around, especially thinking about your own family line and, and your, your background and your upbringing and the legacy of your own family, you begin to wonder what was their life like in between the two dates that are on that tombstone. Many times they're separated by a little dash, but that little dash is the totality of their life. Today, in a sense, what we're talking about is how will you live that dash? What will your life be like? In fact, I would challenge you today, if, if, if you knew that you only had a short period of time remaining, what changes would you make in your life? Those changes is how you and I should be living our life every day. Can I get an agreement that we begin to live for that dash. We begin to understand the eternal purposes that is in that dash. And if God were to review our lives and he were to look at us, what would he say about you and I? Did we live our life to fulfill his purpose? You see, it's in that dash. You and I have choices and we can determine how we will live. Even as believers, I am convinced that we must be much more intentional so that we can fulfill the purposes of God. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1 and verse 3. Peter says, His divine power, His divine power has given us everything that we need. Can I say first of all that life comes from God and God alone? Unfortunately, many times we think that we create or, or we're the ones that make our life and make it what it's going to be. But God's the one that gives us life and he gives us everything we leave for a godly, Christ-like, Christ-centered life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. You see, when he says he's given us a godly life, what he's saying is that's a Christ-like living, one that's Christ-centered, one that is, is yielded, surrendered, transformed in thoughts, emotions, and is aligned to the will of God and now is walking in the purpose of the Lord. When we begin to understand the power of this, then we can get to a place that we begin to say, God, I want my life and everything about my life to glorify you. 
Our memory verse for this week, if you've been walking through the journal, we've been journaling along with the book, taking our notes, our uh, small group discussions, but in the journal is our memory verse of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, for our last week. Will you say this with me? Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Ephesians 5, 8. Let's say it one more time. Ephesians 5, 8. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. What I love about it is it reminds us that we were once blinded. We were once in darkness of the truth of God's word. We once did not really know what is our true purpose in God and the meaning of life. But now we are light because we are in the Lord. And therefore we're to live or walk as children of the light. Tell someone, you're a child of the king. You're children of the light. Children of the light. Therefore, as we take these next few moments, and I'm not going to cover everything due to time today, but when we look at this, we begin to see that God has a plan and a purpose, and we can't divine, uh, we can't design what God's divine design is. We accept it, and we walk in it. A toaster or a stove or a microwave or a refrigerator, they've all been designed for a purpose. They can't determine what that purpose would be. They function as they've been designed. The problem for many believers is that we do not realize that God has a divine design and a purpose that he wants us to walk in, and we've got to learn to embrace it. So when we come to the end of this series on being established, we're looking at how do we remain established and walk in the purpose of God. So today, it's just kind of a a little bit of an overview of what we've been looking at and a review of things that we've been holding on to or that we've been walking, uh, walking you into, but it's to help you to hold on to how do you walk and live in the purpose of God. Well... For the first part of our service today, it really brought us to the first point. We experienced it. We yielded to it. And that is that what God desires, the plan, the purpose for you and I, number one, if you're taking notes, is that God wants us to remain centered on him. The worship team, Pastor Candy today helped us just to... to, to practically do that today and say, God, my, my life is going to be centered around you, that I'm going to yield to you. I'm not, I'm not wanting to be self-centered. The world pulls me and it, and it, and it brings things towards me and the, and the lusts of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it pulls me. God, every day, every week, in worship services, in my prayer, in my devotion, I crucify the flesh, and I yield to you, and I constantly submit and surrender to you. 
If what we were doing early on in this established series is helping you and I to realize that if our lives will remain centered on him, we will submit the will. And as we submit the will, which is the, the mind, the thoughts, the emotions, the decisions, the soul, if it's submitted to him every day, every week, there is a moment, every moment where we say to him, God, come and sit on the throne of my heart. When we do that, our lives remain centered on him. Now, my fear is that we come into worship experiences and we make the worship service the totality of all that God wants for you and I. But that's not it. It's in the service, out of the service, through my life, every day, wherever I go, that there is a life that's consistently centered on God, loving God, loving God completely with all my mind, my heart, my soul, and my strength. Can I get an agreement? But when I begin to slip over into self-centeredness and I'm not focusing on him any longer, what happens is I start worrying about the things of life. I start taking things and wanting to figure it out. I, I start trying to fix it myself. All of a sudden, I, I begin to feel entitled. I feel uh, like somebody has, that has uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, somehow they've dishonored or they disrespected or, or they've offended. And all of a sudden, what happens is I begin to push forward and take control. And I begin to feel like the world revolves around me. Because my selfish internal pull begins to pull me to that throne. But when I remain centered on Christ, I have to dethrone myself. And I've got to let God take the throne of my heart. Can I get an agreement? I said a few weeks ago, the best way for this to happen consistently in my life is through my daily disciplines. When I daily and weekly practice the disciplines of the faith, what I do is I take myself off the throne of my heart and I put the Lord on the throne. As we walk through this, and I hope that you've read it. If you haven't had a chance to finish it, just keep reading. We've got more copies in the lobby. But as you walk through the devotional uh, book that was a powerful, powerful book by uh, Randy Frazee, he begins to talk about how do we think like Jesus? The thoughts that we must have. He says the thoughts about who God is. What do we really believe? The thoughts about how God is a personal God. How do we know that we can be saved by a loving God? Why do we need to be saved? What is it that leads us to a place of realizing that we cannot save ourselves, but we need a Savior? It's more than just coming to church and feeling good. But what happens is I begin to determine and realize that I've been in control. And when I'm in control, it pushes me forward and I rebel against God. And therefore that sin separates me from God. So Randy Frazee reminds us that we have a Savior and he came to the world for a reason. And that is because we could not save our sin. Our sin, our, ourselves, because our sin alienates us from God. And therefore I've got to be reconciled back to God. 
You see, I'm a foreigner in the eyes of God. I'm rejected because of my sin. No, he's a loving God and he loves us, but our sin demands a verdict and it moves me away from God. And so everything comes back to realizing that my God is a personal God and he saves us. If you've not given your life to the Lord after a series like this, then my plea with you today before you leave is one more time at the end of the service when we give you that opportunity is to say, God, thank you that you're my Savior. Thank you that my sin is not held against me and it's not held against me because of what you did, Lord Jesus, on the cross. When you gave your life on the cross, it saved me and gave me a peace with God, but also a peace that now means God is not rejecting because of sin, but accepting because of his salvation. It's a gift. I can't earn it. I receive it. But man, when I receive it, it transforms everything in my life. How many know what I'm talking about? He goes on to talk about the power of the word, our identity in Christ. The reason that there's a church. We are Christ's body. For those that reject the church, they're rejecting Christ because we are his body. Now, we have to learn how to walk together, and we can't make it more than it ought to be, and we've got to understand the, the purpose of the body of Christ, but we're the church. He helps us to understand his thoughts about humanity and compassion and stewardship and, most of all, eternity. Now, that was just his first section. How do you think like Jesus? How do you begin to believe and understand who he is, what he's done, and what he wants to do? But then he also goes into how do we act like Jesus? And by the way, I, I jumped out of uh, the sequence here, but if you're taking notes, I think it's in your notes. To make Jesus the center of your life, you've got to learn to act like him. You've got to think like him. You've got to embrace and do what he wants you to do. And so Randy Frazee in section two of this book really begins to help us understand how do we act like the Lord? What is it that God wants for you and me? And I love the chapters because these begin to lay out our spiritual disciplines. How, if I do this regularly, it will help me to walk in purpose with the Lord. And so he talks about our worship, our prayer. He talks about Bible study, how to be single-minded, to have single-mindedness, how to totally surrender. We touched on that in a whole sermon, submitting, surrendering totally unto the, to the Lord. Biblical community, getting in a small group, walking together. This is the things that we begin to walk through on how do we act, what should we do, because the Lord has asked us to. Spiritual gifts, offering our time, giving of our resources, sharing of our faith. And in the last section, we've been reading this over the last couple of weeks, is that who am I becoming? What's the, what's the outcome? When I align with God, when I submit the will, when I transform emotions, I transform my thoughts, there should be a result. And this is the problem for many in the faith. There is no fruit from their tree. 
And the reality is their tree is not growing deep. It doesn't have roots. There's not that which is informing their walk and their purpose in the Lord. So he takes several chapters to talk about being like Jesus. Who are we becoming? And he begins to unpack the fruit of the Spirit and the characteristics of Christ. You see, when this is happening in my life, now I'm more loving. Now I have more joy. Now I've got more patience. I'm, I'm developing self-control. <laughs> we have to keep developing self-control, right? Just when you say you've got it under control, all of a sudden something happens and you've lost control, right? You lost control. We, I was, uh, we were visiting some friends the other day and, and they brought some uh, Amish pie. Pies made by, oh, it looks so good. And so I thought, decided I'm only taking one bite. Well, you can't take just one bite of a dessert. How many know that, right? And before I know it, I had like 10 bites. I mean, it was just like, oh, okay, I got to push away. I can't, I can't have it. But now that's one easy area, self-control in our desires, our passions, our lusts, our pursuits, our drive. You see, there's a fruit that comes, our hope, our patience. Our kindness, our faithfulness, our gentleness, our humility. Not a false humility, but what is true humility? If you haven't had a chance to finish this, I encourage you, keep reading it. Let it become a devotion. Don't, don't now, if you only got halfway through and we're done, don't just put it away. But I encourage you just to keep letting this be something that forms and shapes you. Because when you do, all of a sudden you realize that now God is transforming who you are on the inside. And so if you didn't get the notes uh, that, that, that we're being uh, more like Jesus when he is transforming our being and our thoughts and our actions. The second thought I want to leave with you today is that if I'm going to walk in purpose, not only do I have to continue to remain and continue to pursue being in the center of God's will, but God wants us to continue to be connected together. A biblical word for that is fellowship, that we remain in fellowship. In 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, it says it like this. It says, sorry, let me find it in my notes. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore encourage one another and do what? Build each other up. Now, hopefully every week it's a reminder. Maybe you ought to take it and put it on your, your, your car uh, dash. Maybe we ought to print little business cards for you that we build up. We don't tear down. We encourage and we don't discourage. Why? Is it is a command. Therefore. Now, I don't have time, but therefore means there are some important things that he said in the previous section. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And I love that. It's a reminder for us as preachers that even though you're doing it, we can still say it. And even though you may know it, I can still say it because it's a reminder that we've got to keep doing it. Now, what he's talking about is because of the coming of the Lord, because the Lord is going to be coming soon, keep encouraging 
keep building up. You're doing it, but don't stop because we can't afford anybody to drift off, to fall asleep. We've got to all remain watchful. We've got to stay alert. That's what he's talking about in Thessalonians in the, in, the, in the sections above. And therefore, we've got to encourage one another and build one another up. You see, God's purpose is that when we get to, to a place that we receive him as our Lord, now we join a spiritual family. And that family inspires. It, it spurs one another on. It encourages one another. It worships together. It loves one another. The family of God connects with one another so that we can be what God wants us to be because the day of his return is approaching and we must be ready. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, let us consider, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards what? Circle it, love and good deeds. So let us consider how we keep spurring one another on. How do we keep challenging and inspiring and lifting up? Why? The day of the Lord is coming and therefore we've got to keep walking together and inspiring one another to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting as some are in the habit of doing. It's like he's writing it during the pandemic period. Some aren't gathering. Some are not in life groups. Some are no longer coming to services. But no, keep encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The day of the Lord is approaching and therefore more than ever, the writer of Hebrews would say, we've got to spur one another on. You know, 56 times, 56 times in the Bible, it talks about that phrase, one another. Greet one another, spur one another on, comfort one another, and, and on and on and on. 56 times. God expects that you and I are going to be connected together, that we're going to be in fellowship with one another, and we're going to spur one another on. That means we're going to be united we're not going to let divisions come. We're going to fight to, to remove uh, uh, that which would be offensive. Even if we may not agree on, on, on many things, we're going to determine what we're going to agree on and we're going to be united and we're going to walk together in love and towards good deeds. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to carry one another's burdens. You know, in the last couple of years through the pandemic, there's been a few studies that have been that have been taking place. And, and one of these studies comes from the American Psychological uh, uh, Association. I'm trying to find it here in my notes. The Psy Psychological Association wrote a, uh, a paper on the risk of social isolation. Now, this was actually just written just prior to the pandemic. And they stated in this article that there are more... There are more mental and health risks associated with loneliness. When we isolate ourselves, when we get so individualistic and isolated from others, there are more mental, uh, mental and health risks. And unfortunately, an increasing percentage of American, uh, Americans are reporting 
that they have no religious affiliation. They have no connection with a community. And therefore, we're seeing the mental health uh, 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 issues begin to increase like never before. In the same year, the university, Florida State University of College and Medicine, also found that loneliness and social isolation are associated with 40% of an increase in someone's risk of dementia. I was reading recently that when you're connected, you're in a small group, you're with a spiritual community, that the individual's overall view of life is much higher because they have others that are in their life. So what's the key here is that we need one another. Turn to someone and say, we need you. We need one another. We need each other in our lives. The values of the world and the way that society has moved, it, it pressures us to feel like we can walk in isolation. Social media, when it comes to uh, sermons and sermon content and, and everybody that, that, that is sharing uh, spiritual uh, content over the internet has people feeling like that's all they need is that spiritual moment of food that they receive and yet they don't have others walking with them in a spiritual journey. See, God's purpose for you and I is that we're connected together. That we stay connected, we walk together, we love one another, we serve. And the challenge is that is to be authentic in that it takes time, it's a sacrifice, it's something that we have to keep pressing at because there's a tendency to just keep pulling back and pulling back. And so that's why we encourage you, coming out of the spiritual growth campaign, to stay connected to stay in your life group, to get connected if you're not in a group. James says it this way, James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins, pray for one another and, and, and lift up, encourage each other, each other as you pray for the other so that you may be healed. Now, yes, I think there's a physical healing, but there's emotional healing. When I'm praying with others, when I'm walking together and others are spurring me on and, and I'm spurring them on and you're encouraging one another, there is something that's taking place that you're yielding, you're surrendering it, you're getting hope and vision and joy and there's something that begins to build up within your spirit that you know that you can make it. Can I hear an amen? That you keep pressing on and pressing on. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and Effective. So if I'm going to stay established in God's purpose, I've got to remain connected with the body of Christ. The third thought is that God wants you and I to grow in spiritual maturity and to serve his body. To grow in spiritual maturity and to serve his body. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Peter says, for this very reason... For this very reason, make every effort, some translations say, with all diligence, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort, all diligence, everything, add this to your faith. The first is goodness. Goodness is character. It's virtue. So make every effort to add to your faith character. 
virtue. The character of Christ, the virtue of Christ. Not only do you add character and virtue, but you add knowledge. Say knowledge. Now knowledge here is practical insights. How do you live out what you're learning from the word? So to my character, I add practical insight. That as I read the word of God, I begin to understand these concepts that come from the word. Knowledge is that I take it and I practically apply it. I add it to my faith. He also says, make every effort to add to your faith self-control. Now we've already talked about this. I master my flesh. I master, I learn to manage my desires, my passions, the cravings. I submit those to the Lord. I add to self-control a perseverance. Perseverance is steadfastness. I love this because in this one, what, what he's saying is that the spirit is, is stirring something within and that as I add perseverance, a steadfast, it's an activeness. It's not a passiveness. It's active. My spirit stands up in the middle of battles or no matter what it is, and my spirit is reminding me that I'm a conqueror and I can overcome. No matter what temptation, I can conquer and I can overcome. No matter what pressure, I can overcome. I'm a conqueror. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be perseverant. Perseverant in what way? In my character, in my, in my virtue, in my practical knowledge, in self-control. In the moment of temptation, there's a way of escape. And my spirit says, I can overcome. Top of that, I add godliness. Godliness is a Christ-likeness. It's godly living. I live like God. On top of that, mutual affection. Mutual affection is brotherly kindness. There is a, there's an affection for one another. In the body of Christ, brotherly affection. That there's a concern for one another. Now, when we're in a large church, that's almost impossible. And that's why you get into the smaller settings of life groups and ministry teams because there, there is a deep affection and a concern and a love that begins to grow. On top of that, he says, love. This love is what we call agape love. It's a, it's a, it's a sacrificial love. Now, if we go back, what are we doing? We're adding these things to our faith. And therefore, if I'm going to grow like Christ, this is one scripture in Peter where Peter will remind us, these are things that I must work on in my faith. The key is working on it. Working on it takes discipline. And discipline is a key to growing my faith. Can I hear an amen? Many Christians, unfortunately, they're auditing their Christian experience. You know what an audit is. You, you can go to the class, you can get all of the information, but you don't do any of the work that's required. You don't take any of the tests. You don't do any of the work. You, you don't do anything that's required in the class. You're just receiving information. They want the data without the responsibility. That's an audit. Fortunately, many come on Sundays and all they're trying to do really is get information and they're auditing Jesus in their life. 
My challenge to you and I is to realize that there is a discipline and this spiritual growth campaign has been a development of that discipline to say every day, let's get into the word. Every day, let's take time to connect with God, to pursue him, to grow in the character of Christ. Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews chapter six and verse one, let us go on. And do what? Become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. So the writer of Hebrews would say, keep pressing, keep growing, keep going on. Become mature in your understanding. Walk out your purpose. Stay in alignment with God. Continue to yield, submit your will. Continue to manage your emotions. Continue to manage your thoughts because all of that all of that is what brings you to a place that you can truly submit and walk in purpose for your life. If I go back to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, God has given each of you some special abilities. So not only am I growing in Christ, but now I realize there is an anointing that God has given special abilities, and he says, be sure to use it to help each other. We call that your divine design, finding your shape, learning to use your spiritual gifts. The revelation for me a number of years ago was my spiritual gifts my spiritual gifts must be released to the body of Christ. My spiritual gifts are my anointing that God's given. It's the divine design, the shape of how God has created every one of us. But there is not an anointing released until it's released in ministry. Spiritual growth, becoming like Christ, is between me and God. And, and I encourage others and they encourage me. But a release of my gifts must be released in ministry. And therefore, God's desire is that all of us find that place where we can use our spiritual gifts. And I'll just say, if you haven't signed up for a ministry, we would love to help you get connected to discover what is that gift, what is that anointing, where is it that God wants to use you, and we will help you to begin to walk in that. The last and final thought, I invite our worship team to come back. The last and final thought is that God wants us to tell others about his love. The message of hope is too good to keep to ourselves. It's a message of hope that we've got to share with everyone. In fact, God says that you and I in Ephesians are his workmanship. He's working and creating us. He's transforming us. Ephesians 2 10 says you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we're messengers of hope. And that message is one that must be shared. My heart is that it's more than a slogan. My heart is more than, that it's more than just a t-shirt. That we are walking in his purpose. That we're children of the light. That everywhere we go, we shine the light. And as we shine the light, as opportunities come, we share the faith. We come along next to others and we help them to understand the questions of the faith. You see, when you begin to share, it takes a, a relationship 
to begin to open up the deeper questions. In that relationship, you begin to share what God's done in your life. We call that your story. His story transforms your story. And now your story begins to be the thing that you can share with everyone around. If you don't know what to share, share what God's doing in your life. If you don't know what to share, share something that I preached about on Sunday. Try to remember one thing I preached and share that one thing. Just that one thing. You know, if someone starts talking, say, man, in our church or in my life group or, or in this Bible study or as I was doing my devotions and share something. As you share that nugget, what happens is God begins to use what you share. See, the reality is, as we are light, children of the light, walking in purpose, we will light up a dark city. I never forget, I never forget, when I came, I was asking the Lord as I came into Fort Lauderdale, why would you bring us to Fort Lauderdale? I mean, we were in Europe, there was only about 12 churches in a city of 2 million. That's the same size as Broward County. Only about 12 churches. And we were saying, God, why would you bring us back? And I've shared it many times. And as I was asking that question of the Lord, we were flying into Fort Lauderdale. And I looked across the land, coming from the darkness of central Florida and from the ocean that as we were coming in. And I looked out and I began to see the light begin to shine. And the Lord spoke. And he says, I want my glory to shine just like you're seeing the light shining all across the land. And I want to raise up a people to be among a people. We're not the only ones, but to be among a people that are carriers of my glory. We've called it being messengers of hope. But messengers of hope means that we're in the purpose of God. We're children of the light. We don't hide the light. You know, statistics say that only about 6% of believers share their faith as a whole. About 6%. That means 94% are hiding the light. They're coming and praying about it. They're having great services about it. They're talking about it. But God wants us to live it. So how do we live it? How do we share it? What is it that God would have us to do? Share others. To be messengers of hope. In our latest statistic at Christian Life Center, the survey that we took just a few months ago, it was about 25% of us invite or share our faith weekly with somebody else. About 25%. It went up to about 40% on a monthly basis that share our faith or invite people to come to services. And that is wonderful and I applaud it. And all I can say is let's keep growing it. Let's keep increasing it. Let's just keep saying, God, give me opportunity. Give me boldness. For some of us, fear grips us. The enemy convinces us, uh, you don't want to be fanatical. Uh, you don't want to press her. You don't want to say something. You, don't wanna, you know, and the enemy gets us back into a moment of fear. I think it's the main reason for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not the speak in tongues alone. Yes, 
there's a prayer language. Yes, there's gifts and miracles and all of that. But in the book of Acts, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they became his witnesses. Witnesses in the middle of persecution. When if you were a Christian, you were losing your job, you were losing your faith, your possessions were being taken away, and they received the Holy Spirit and became his witnesses. What happened is there was a boldness. There was an, an inner strength that came that says, you're my ambassador, you're my light, you're children of the light, carry the light. It says they became his witnesses. Where they were in Jerusalem, in the surrounding areas, which was Judea. Samaria was in the regions around them, but they didn't like them and they didn't identify with the Samaritans. They didn't want to be around the Samaritans. That would probably be very much like, you know, like, uh, you know, racial uh, prejudices and, and, and things that, that keep people all kinds of separated in their lives. No, you're going to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. They're like you but you don't like them and they're around you and they're near you, but you don't want to be around them. You don't identify with them. That's okay. The Holy Spirit will anoint you and use you to speak to them as well and then into all the world. You see, we become his witness. We carry his love. We carry his glory. We are children of the light. And as we are yielded to him in this that we've been sharing, you'll walk in divine purpose. So in conclusion, you let God transform your thoughts. That was a powerful message. You need to go back, get the outline. Just get that outline, put it somewhere because our thoughts begin the process. The thoughts influence emotions. I've got to manage the emotions. I've got to let God transform my emotions. But then there's the submitting of the will, the surrendering and the laying it down. I love doing that in times of worship and devotion. I love doing it in times of worship. I take an opportunity to do that when we come in to a worship gathering on a, on a night's ablaze or a Sunday morning or a prayer event. Where God, I'm just yielding again. I don't, I don't want to miss the opportunity. I don't want to miss it. I, want to, I just want to yield. I want to get self off the throne. And I want to get you back on the throne. I want to get my eyes off the world. And I want to get my eyes back on you. I don't miss the opportunity. If I need to get on my knees, I get on my knees. I just want to enter in. I want to feel the presence of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? For me, I like to be in the building. I like, I, I want to feel the bass on my heart. I want to, I want to feel it. I want to, I want to know I was there, right? I want to, I want to feel it. And I just want to yield. I want to, I want no distractions. I just want to, I just want to yield. I want to surrender. I want to yield it daily, God. Help me to yield. Because when I yield, I'm carrying my cross. I'm, I'm laying it down and I'm exalting you. That is the soul. The battle is in the soul. The mind, the will, the emotions. The battlefield is here and it's daily. If you're not daily yielding, you'll never get into alignment with the will of God to walk in godly purpose. You can make godly decisions, but then there's still a walk. 
But as you walk, man, this process brings joy, brings transformation. It'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your children. It'll change your outlook. It'll change your profession. It'll change so much because God takes control of everything. Established in the faith, a new way of living. Father, thank you for your word. It's powerful, it's anointed. And as we come to the end of this spiritual growth campaign, I pray that our heart's desire is that we'll be established in you. Established in you. Father, we want to honor you and we want to exalt you. We want to magnify you. and We want to walk in our godly anointing our purpose. I pray, God, that you'll help us. I pray for those that are here that they have not surrendered their life to you. Jesus, you told us that the greatest decision in life is to surrender our life to you. That no man can serve two masters. We'll hate one and love the other. The most important decision that we could ever make It's the decision to make Jesus Christ the center of our life. So if that's you today, you're in the building and you would say, Pastor, I need to surrender my life to Christ. Heads are bowed. Before we conclude, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. In the balcony, let me look across there. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Amen. Hands are going up. What I want you to do, God bless you. God bless you. So many hands. If you lifted your hand, just say with me. In fact, will everybody say it? Those online, I want you to pray it as well. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. For paying the penalty for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you and invite you to come into my heart, into my life. I accept you as my Savior, for I cannot save myself. I ask you to break the power of sin over me. And help me to make you the Lord of my life. To make you the center of my life. Today I choose, say it again, I choose to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Help me to live the rest of my life to please you. Teach me how to walk in you, to serve you, to honor you, to be established in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.